How's it going? Uh, not great. Oh. I've been working on this counterfeit coin machine all afternoon, Ooh. but it's not working. Mm, oh, let's, okay. Let's have, let's have a look at the instructions. Mm-hmm. 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 Ah, here's your problem. Just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Eyre's Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast for two queer uh, two queer trans women, it's us, we're wifey types. We talk about bits of media we've consumed in the week and do silly voices and skits and just have a bit of a silly catch-up. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm cold. I'm cold and tired. I'm cold and tired. Yeah. We, we, should, we should be allowed to just have a little snuggle. Right. Why, right. Don't, why don't we start a new podcast that's just us in bed having a, having a little snug? I, I look, I don't know if there's going to be particularly much insight for people to gain from that, but like, you know, you might hear a snore every now and then. Just... But no, I must be awake and my body has to use up energy staying warm and uh, not I mean, be falling recent, asleep. If my recent for you on TikTok has been anything to go by, apparently pretending to sleep on stream is just just a I, huge thing right now. I, I, I mean, depends what streaming service you're on. Some of them have rules that are like, you have to be awake and conscious. I mean, I'm not sure that it's the... the, the, the actually genuinely asleep but who knows mm. i don't know you know how someone can be asleep constantly multiple days in a row and that is their whole streaming presence i i mean i don't know that sounds like a pretty good streaming presence if i'm honest right but for now what i will do on stream is play things what have you what have you been playing this week what have i been playing this week well uh, there has been a new uh, uh, Vampire Survivors update. Is, is this the one that you have open right now? On no. This? D- no, 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 different. I'm something different. We'll come to that. Oh, in a we'll come to that in a bit. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, what Vampire Survivors thing you've been playing? Well, we've, there's been a new Vampire Survivors. Oh, a Vampire update. Survivors update. Yes. Sorry, I thought you said there's been a new Vampire Survivors like. Ah, no, yes. no, no, no. no. The new Vampire Survivors update. There is. There's new content in Vampire Survivors, and we've both played it. We have, and I think you finished it now. I believe so. I've got all the the unlocks and achievements and things from the yeah. new updates. Uh, what For about you? Back back to full back to full. Yeah. Your, uh, achievements. Indeed. Every time there's a new release, like no, my one hundred percent. Well, oh, dare you. I've 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 redone it on a couple of platforms. I'm waiting for the uh, Switch version to get the update because it had some kind of problem, and then I'm going to ah. get the, the do it all there again. Okay. But yeah. Have you done all the stuff in the update? I think so. I realised that in my most recent reset, I hadn't quite done all of the uh, new stuff. Um, that that from uh, is it like Foscari? I hadn't done like oh, any of the yeah. underground stuff. smashing all the crystals with hadn't the specific characters. The yeah, yeah, that 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 took a little while to get through. Um, yeah, but I the other thing is I think because I wasn't playing in infinite mode, uh, whereas you had, I took ages to work out what the uh, evolution. For the new weapon was oh yes yes so yeah there's um there's a few th- this was a free update yeah and there is a new map that is all yes, sort of twenty minute special s- yep it's all sort of snow themed and there's snowmen everywhere Ooh. you know early to mid October perfect time for a Christmas update y- yes thanks <laughs> thanks Luca yep uh there's a new evolution for a character uh mm-hmm. Osol 
The, 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 the dog. I'm solo mio. The, the dog that farts flowers. Yeah. Uh, now has an evolution. And I don't know the law reasons why that dog becomes what it becomes when it evolves. But, but uh, it sure does become that. Huh? It sure does become that. And then the, the universe collapses around it somewhat. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a new weapon. Yes. Uh, which... I, I'm a big fan of this new weapon. Yeah, how would you describe this new weapon? Um, it starts off as sort of, um, sort of seemingly attacks the nearest possible enemy, but it's like a big cone, but instead of the co- you being the source of the cone, it's like, imagine 15 yards in front of you and the cone is shooting back towards you. Yes. Sort of like a lance attack. Sort of, yes. That it's, sort of thing. It's an, it's an interesting... It, it's definitely a damage shape that the game hasn't had before. Yeah, I don't That does so. some interesting things. And the evolved version of it is just wild. Yes. I, yes. I look forward to seeing that like mixed with some of the other big, huge, ridiculous uh, screen-destroying um, uh, um, combos. Because yeah. I think it will be quite fun to watch that just, just be completely chaotic. Uh, and there was a new thing to spend money on once you'd done your unlocks. Yes. Uh, Defang. Defang. Which, uh, it, it, it increases the percentage chance that an enemy that spawned in just won't be able to do damage. Uh, uh, yeah, each one is a 3% chance that they that an enemy just won't have any teeth. They've been defanged. Yeah. Which is interesting and one of those things that I think makes sense as a late game unlock balance wise, hmm. uh, at this point. Um, but yeah, it is It is a little handful of extra Vampire Survivors content, and I'll never say no to an excuse to hop back into Vampire Survivors for a no, little bit. especially not for free. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the Vampire Survivors yeah, update. Yeah, it's good. I'm always it was glad to have more free freebies in the Vampire I, Survivors. I am impressed that that game is still adding free additional stuff yeah. for the very little that they charge for it. Well, I mean, they are sort of well, seemingly well-known for being... About the best uh, of of that style of game, auto shooters. I think a lot of people refer to them as. Yeah, um, yeah um, th- there's a good reason for it. It's it's a good value proposition. Yeah. What else have you been playing? Um. Well, I've played through the entirety of Sonic uh, Sonic Superstars. I've written Sonic Frontiers in my in my say, topic like, list. Wasn't that a few years ago? Yeah, no, that's the wrong that's the wrong one. Sonic Superstars. Uh this is the new one. It's a side scrolling 2D uh platformer. Back um, in the style of what Sonic 4? Yeah, yeah, that's that sort of thing. And here's how I feel about it, having played it through it start to finish. It is one of the best Sonic games in a very long time, with one really annoying caveat and i'll get to that in a minute right um the vast majority of this game is no gimmicks well designed 2d sonic um you have some optional power-ups you can you can get access to by finding hidden chaos emeralds Mm -hmm. and those will give you things like the ability to reveal hidden platforms or sort of summon some clones into attack and things like this. They're all completely optional. Uh, like, you can just n- not pay attention to the fact they, they exist at all, if you would rather, and just play well-designed creative Sonic levels. Nice. And a lot of those levels have little gimmicks that are well-designed and don't feel like they're trying to reinvent the formula. They're just a little fun thing mm. that, like, that one level is doing, and it's well-designed, and you sort of move on from it, and that's okay. Um, a great example of that is um, 
there is a stage set in a factory, and in the background at all times you can see this big um, hydraulic press, and it's huge, uh, sort of sort of raising up and then slamming down. And every time it slams down uh, on this sort of rhythmic timer, you get bounced up in the level. Okay. And that's sometimes helpful for getting up extra high jumps. It's sometimes detrimental because, like, you'll get knocked up through a platform and not be able to get back down, down to where you were. Oh, no. So you have to, like, watch the hydraulic press and go, okay, I'm going to run along that lower platform in between hydraulic presses and not get thrown up to the higher platform. Okay. Uh, and that's, like, a really interesting stage gimmick that's not overplayed, and there's a lot of, like, visual stuff in the stage to, like, clue you in when it's coming. Mm. That's, like, things like that that are, like, that's a good, solid idea. That a Sonic game that didn't try to reinvent the wheel. What? Right? Like, the closest it gets to a gimmick level is there's a level where you transform into different voxel things and have slightly different playstyles. But even that, they're all, like, well-designed, very intuitive, uh, and, like, they, they'll, they'll do the thing for, like, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds, and then, like, you're back to Sonic, get back to doing Sonic stuff. Mm. Um, it's a really good Sonic game with one caveat that really stops it. Uh -oh. There's one thing that makes it pretty good rather than great. Oh no. And it's the bosses. And not even all of the bosses. It's specifically the final three bosses. Um, okay. Right toward the end of the game the design for the bosses gets a little bit fucking bullshit. Right. Um, uh, I will give two examples uh, in vague details as to not spoil too much but um Third from the end is a boss that has an overhead swing attack that is a one-hit kill. Okay. And it's quite a lengthy boss fight. You have to hit the boss like seven times to kill it. And it goes right. through phases and gets faster and more attack patterns. And if it hits you with this attack a single time, you are dead. And you've got to restart that entire quite lengthy boss fight again. And part of what makes it feel bullshit is that... There's, like, three different attack animations that are all very similar and that have very different timings of when they're going to hit. And if you misread it even once, one hit kill, you're dead. Mm. Uh, and this includes, like, if you've taken damage from a regular attack and you're flashing, like, you've got invincibility frames, it will still one hit kill you during that. Like, you literally have invincibility frames because you just took damage, and the one hit kill will still kill you. Yeah. Uh, it feels cheap, it was overcomable, but, like, it was frustrating. Um, I will skip the one that follows it, but believe me, it's also really bullshit. Um, the final boss is like, I'm gonna say it's like, t it's, n there's a, <sighs> the last couple of bosses are both like, I'm gonna say like, seven to ten minutes on a successful attempt. Mm. Um, and if you die at any point during that, you've got to restart from the beginning and they have like really cheap, uh, really cheap moves that are like, just kind of bullshit. Mm. And those, th like, maybe three bosses at the end really ruin the pace of what was otherwise a very fair, balanced, polished, tightly designed game. Mm. It's not enough that I, um, that I regret having played it. I generally walked away from the game going, that game was pretty good. It could have been the first great Sonic game in a while, these last few bosses are just, like, a little too bullshit, a little too cheap. And I've been thinking about what the problem with them is, and I think a big part of it is, I think they balanced them for co-op. Ah. I think they balanced... And it, this is less of a problem early on, but when you get to those last, like, maybe three or so bosses, it feels like they expect you to be playing in co-op, and if you're not playing in co-op, um, 
things like a bullshit one-hit kill attack are going to be a much bigger problem if you don't have other players who might successfully dodge the attack to keep mm. fighting. And that's a real shame. And it's it doesn't help that I was playing that game the same week as Mario Mario Wonder, which, <laughs> uh, like... I was playing it back to back with like a like an impeccable example of what a 2D platformer mm-hmm. released in this year can be. And it's hard to put up with like the level of bullshit this was pulling toward the end yeah. in comparison. And it's such a shame because so like the levels are fantastic. Mm. All but the last few bosses are fine. Yeah. <laughs> but those last few bosses really like Knocked the experience down a few points. Ooh, oh dear. Oh well. Oh dear. What about you? What else have you been playing? Well, it's funny to funny you talk about things that really wanted you to and like do the ending in co-op because I've been playing a bunch of uh, emulated games on the Amiga because I finally started doing emulation stuff on the on the on the on, Steam the, deck. on the Steam Deck. Yeah. Yeah. So I played Bubble Bubble, and I forgot <laughs> that, that the ending of that is. Yeah, the true ending is that you have to play in multiplayer. So bye, fuck off. Uh, yeah, they can at least warn you up front. Right. Um, also tried some Rodland, a game which I always think I'm going to love. Because I remember having the demo on Commodore 64 that I think I got on like a cover tape mm. at some point. And just going, oh, this is really fun and very adorable. And you're basically like a little pixie person. And your mum's been abducted, uh, but you've got a, you've got your magic rod, and you go into the en- uh, go into the levels, and the enemies are adorable, kind of similar to Bubble Bubble. Yeah. And you you cast your little magic at them, and then you just keep whacking the fire button, and you kind of do like overhead smash, like Hulk smashing Loki, <laughs> um, like back and forward until they turn into fruit, uh-huh. or, or or some kind of power up. Um, and then once you've cleared the level, that, that's how you go to the next level. And the levels very quickly get way more difficult. Yeah. Like pretty, pretty ridiculously difficult quite quickly. Um, but it's just not, I, I'm not finding it as fun or charming as say something like Bubble Bobble or Rainbow Islands. And it really does feel like it's trying to fit within that. Yeah. Like arcade action platformer single screen thing mm. and yeah it's, it's not as good oh. um also tried a bunch of the chaos engine weirdly Ooh. a game i have played on several other systems and not really bothered to try i think or, or to really stick with um i think maybe the reason i was sticking with this is just by virtue of the fact that it's uh i don't know i think it looks really nice the amiga version um it runs really well on a Steam Deck. Um, <laughs> it's got... There's something about the way the Bitmap Brothers like put a, a huge amount of detail into like their backgrounds and their sprite work and stuff mm. that you just didn't see enough of yeah. at the time. And I think like all of their games, like Magic Pockets, Gods, um, Xenon 2, like, all of that stuff has a lot of that like super detail um mm. and like just fascinating world building through bizarre design like the the first level in chaos engine there's a lot of like bubbling mud which is fascinating mm. um it was it was nice to give that more of a go and i'm looking forward to going back to that cuz 
There is a game that I clearly haven't given enough time to previously that um, I'm looking forward to trying some more. I've also found a copy of Speedball 2, so at some point I will report back on that too. What else have you been playing? Well, I've been playing more Mario Wonder this week. Yeah, you haven't finished that one yet, though. I haven't finished it. I've been deliberately, like, holding off from going right to the end of the game, because it's been a really nice game to play on stream. Right. And to experience, like, a bunch of levels for the first time on stream. And also, you seem to be doing, like, every single part of this. Like, I don't know if there was more Sonic to have been done, but, like... It seems like you're really going for finding the everything in this. Yeah, the way this game is put together is you you very much could get through this in like 10-15 hours and be done with it. Okay. But I have like really stuck around going for like, I've got to find every wonder seat in every level. I want to find all the purple coins. I mm. want to get all the little collectible standees. I'm having such fun being in this game constantly that I'm finding excuses to like not have it be over because when it's it's over it's done yeah. and i'm enjoying the bit where i still have mario wonder still to see mm-hmm. um but i think i can talk about more this week now that the game is out and there's a lot more people who have the game and are playing the game is the multiplayer component which yes. has been really interesting um so the game has a pseudo multi online multiplayer mode that is i've seen people compare it to dark souls and it's weirdly like the the best kind of comparison. Oh, I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's sort of ghost characters yeah. doing the level at the same time. Yeah, so you've got ghosts. You, if you if you connect online, you see ghost data. Well, ghost data is not the right term because ghost data implies it's other playthroughs people have done in the past. But they are semi transparent. Yeah, they're, they're semi transparent, but they are other real players in real time playing the level with you. And 99% of the time, zero interaction with them. They're just getting on with playing the level. You're getting on with playing the level. Mm-hmm. Um, this will come up more in some of the harder levels, also, like, if you're trying to do a particularly tricky thing to get, like, a special collectible. If you, uh, at any time in the level, you can pop down a standee, uh, in one position, and you can replace it, and, you know, get rid of the last one, put a new one down. If someone dies in the level, they can get to your standee within five seconds, they pop back up, they don't lose a life, they get to continue from where that standee is. Mm. Uh, same for your physical self. If if I was to die, I would have five seconds to find another player of the, I think, four loaded into the map, and if I can touch them, I get to keep going. Mm. And this has been really interesting in how it has impacted, like, there's two places it really comes up, uh, at least from what I've been playing. Some of the, like, collectible big purple coins in some of the levels are really tricky to get and to survive getting. Mm. Uh, And sometimes people will just stand next to one of those and let other people go down and get the coin, and if they they die, float their ghost back up, back up to safety. Nice. Uh, Which is really nice, and it's a... It, it reminded me, and there's, me so you know, there's, there's some <laughs> bits like this that we'll get get to in the other use of this multiplayer. It reminded me of playing Journey for the first time, because yeah. you can't really talk to other players. You can maybe do a happy face or a question mark emote at them, um, but it's wordless communication. And these little unspoken interactions that just sort of pop up through play hmm. are really nice. Um, the place where it's I've, I've experienced more of this is... The game has some very, very, very difficult optional levels you can go and do. Yes. And those are really interesting to do with other people available. Like, there's some of them... Uh, like, there's a big wall kick challenge I turned off online. I was like, I just want to do this myself. I want to know that I did it. Because, like, I can, I can feel I can do it. Mm. But then sometimes you'll get a level where you're like, I am just 
not going to make it through this by myself. So I turn on online, and uh, there's one level in particular I'm thinking of that was an auto-scroller, and it was a very hard level, and after a couple of deaths, I noticed I kept playing through the level at about the same time as someone else. Uh, so when one of us died the uh, and the other died, we'd sort of wait for each other, start the auto-scroll at the same point, uh, like we'd both jump at the thing at the same time, mm. and just do the level together so that we our scroll would be in sync, and then if one of us died, the other could sort of revive us and back and forth, and together we got through the level. Yeah. And... I've had a lot of really lovely tweets from people going, oh shit, that, that Laura, you. was that you? I'm like, oh, that was me. That was you. I remember that interaction we had. It's, it's a really nice, like, unforced multiplayer interaction that's just, it's just very pleasant to be like, I'm having a good time with this game and I can see other people are too. And if I'm having trouble, they'll help me and vice versa. And yeah. Nice, just a nice feeling of community. Yeah. I think Nintendo's doing a decent job of, like fostering that unspoken community mm. in, a, in a few of their games recently, like there seems to have been like a decent amount of that without any. And now this person will start hitting me up be, to, <laughs> to be like, "Hi, can I add you as friend?" Uh, yeah. Um, I am on. I think the last world, or maybe penultimate, possibly. Um, I'm I'm quite near the end of the game, mm. and uh. I will say I think the game has like really kept up its creative um its sheer density of creativity. Yeah. Like I I I have barely ever seen an idea be repeated. Um and the like I can think of one example. In one of the later level of worlds, uh, they come up with a mechanic where you turn into a little blob. You're just a happy little blob that, that can navigate yeah. the level. And it's adorable and it's really fun. And I said the first time it came up, I was like, it's a real shame that this is never going to come up again, like all those other Wonder Scene mechanics, because mm. I would play a whole game of this. If you released a platformer that controlled like this and I looked like this, I would play it. And then it came up like two more times and I was like, you know what? If this is the one time you're going to repeat <laughs> a mechanic, I'm very okay with that. I have one complaint about it. And it's not a major thing, and it's not enough for me to not think that the game is a masterpiece, but it feels like it's worth noting. Um, some worlds will have a secret exit hidden somewhere in them that will lead to some additional levels. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they are a bit fucking bullshit to find. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of, of a good example off the top of my head. Um, sometimes it will be things like... Oh, you've got to get to the end of this level with a power-up intact that this level doesn't provide you. So mm -hmm. you've got to go to a different level. Yeah. Yeah. I and, have encountered that. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that I wouldn't hate too much if not for one thing. Like, this particular level I'm thinking of, it was the first time I realised this was a thing. That, mm. that I might have to go get a power-up from a different level, get through the level and, like, do a thing to, to get yeah. a different exit. I looked at that level on my like list of courses, and it told me I'd a hundred percented it. It said I had every one to see; there were none missing. I had every purple coin. I had the flagpole. It didn't tell me, "Hey, there's a secret exit where there's another one to see hidden right. that'll lead to some other levels." And that felt a bit bullshit. Okay. A bit later in the game, like I'm gonna say, like three quarters of the way in, you get a badge that reveals hidden secrets. And, like, helps you navigate there's a secret here. And that kind of takes a bit of that off. And I, I don't hate... I don't hate this now that, like... Now that I know it's a mechanic and I understand it's going to be a bit of bullshit, I've gotten a bit of an eye for... If I see a thing like this, 
I need to investigate it, even if it says the level's 100%ed, because it might be something important. Mm. But that felt a bit cheap. And, like, I don't like a game telling me I've 100%ed a level when I haven't. That's fair. And I, I think, weirdly, this... Like, a lot of people have compared this one to Mario World, and mm. in many ways I agree. I think it is probably the closest to capturing the uh, vibe of World of any of the more modern... Mm. Uh, Mario games, especially the 2D um, uh, platformers. But I think one thing that you had with Worlds uh, on the original SNES was the whole, like, they advertised there are 96 levels. Um, yeah. What that really meant is there are 96 total exits, because mm. there, there, there are, like, different ways of exiting a level, and maybe that leads to something else. And in the case of something like um, Forest of Illusion, it might not be that you've got to another level. You might have just found a loop around to get to a yeah. different position. What, I, I, I don't mind that like they've hidden some of these exits in bullshit hard places oh. to find. I just wish there was something to go, you haven't found everything here. Yeah, there's a, there's an there's an exit in this one. But, it's going to be hard as balls to find, but there is one. Okay, then. But um, and I will get back to the other half of that oh, point sorry. in a second. Um, but with that, is it actually possible until you do like find this secret findy thing to get those other exits? It's possible, but there's some of them I look at and go, "Fuck off! I would never have found this." Right. Okay. Um, so, so the, the the other point I was going to make is the difference between the original SNES version and the Game Boy uh, Advance mm. version of Mario World, because that one finally gave you a way of tracking Yoshi coins. Yes. Like, originally, there had been five in every uh, mm. level. I think they gave you an extra life for collecting all five, but Some, it didn't yeah. ever tell you that you had collected them. And then all of a sudden, on the Game Boy Advance version, you've got a way of just going, here are all the Yoshi coins you've collected so far. And I think by virtue of saying, being able to go, you've collected X amount of the the big purple things, uh, big purple uh, coins, and uh, the wonder seeds from outside the level, then you can sort of go, you know that there is something missing or not. But to have that be technically incomplete... Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's don't give me a thing that tells me how how complete the level is if it's not going to be true about how complete the level is. I think that's what annoyed me about it, and it's certainly not a deal breaker. Because like, here's the thing: now that I know that that's a thing, I I feel no shame in occasionally just going, "Is this is this one of those exits? Let me just Google. Is this a secret exit? Okay, mm. cool. I'll do that." Yeah. Um, but like absolute masterpiece of a game that is my only complaint and it is such a minor thing in the scope of how fantastic this game is mario wonder mm, superb mm-hmm. what about you what else have you been playing this week i've been playing some fatal zone Ooh. all one word fatal um, zone yeah it's a uh, new vampire derivers uh, i think it just came out on monday Ooh. so yesterday at time of recording um it's uh yeah it's vampire derivers where the the plot is ridiculous. Yeah. But it, it seems like basically there are zombies. <laughs> I mean, that's what I got was you've got a gun, there are zombies. You've got a gun, there are zombies, but you might also have a sword or a spear or... Uh, what's the other thing? There's the other, you can have like a shotgun or an Uzi. The Uzi yeah. is like generally the, like the, the starting weapon for a lot of things. 
as you do more runs, you will, like, get achievements, and those achievements will unlock other things. So it might be like, survive five minutes with this type of character. Yeah. And that will unlock maybe another character, or maybe another weapon. In your maybe... vampire survivor's style. But yeah, and it's all very specifically linked to achievements, so mm. you can go to the HQ and you can see what all of the possible achievements you need to do are. Some of them are going to be locked, but it will at least tell you, like, survive 15 minutes with this type of character. Mm. It's like, okay, cool. Well, I haven't even unlocked that character type yet, <laughs> so I'm not going to worry about trying to get this weapon and the sub-weapon to go with it. It handles evolutions in a really nice way, mm. in that it will always tell you what the other half of the thing is. So if you get oh. one... It will always tell you what the other thing is. You can go into the Evo book, and it, it rather than telling you just the uh, evolutions for the things you've got, it will tell you the evolutions for everything, and you can sort of plan ahead as to what you want to be picking up based on that. Mm. Um, this has a really interesting mechanic of... Well, it's got several quite interesting mechanics. The first one is, if you get bit by zombies, you are going to start to take a higher mutation load. Okay. Uh, if that load gets to a thousand, mm. you're going to get a mutation. And it might be a good thing, and it might be a bad thing. Interesting. So, but once you've unlocked the infirmary, you can start to take off the permanent... Uh, you can take off, like, the there's, like, base level uh, injuries. Mm. There will be things like 15% uh, less damage outputs, or less armor. Yeah. Things like that. Most of the, like, all of those are exclusively bad, but you, and you, you basically go to that character, stick them in the infirmary, hit heal, and they will heal that type of thing entirely for free. They will be out of action until the end of the next run, but that's, you haven't lost that character completely. Yeah. On the other side, you've got these permanent mutations that could be things like 30% extra luck, or, Something else, and and luck is handled very much in the same way as, as vampire survivors in the whole. You might get four options to choose from. You might get more things in a chest as mm. opposed to just a single item. You might get three, and that is really interesting because some of those are positive. So you want those, yeah. And you can individually go through and go, okay, well, I'm going to spend five hundred coins to remove the the one that where you're doing less physical damage output, but I want to keep the the luck up increase. Mm. And you're also getting um, like XP. You're doing like full levels up as that character gains more experience. Then you can take them to the gym and do like like a like a tech tree, basically, of um, pick from between one and three items to mm. put a skill point in per level. And that is like a permanent thing of maybe more damage or faster reloads, things like that. Uh, the other thing that's quite interesting is. That's pretty much every five minutes or so, the helicopter will come to try and evac you. Rather than you um, just running and running and running until you die, you need to evac before you die. Oh. So if the difficulty is getting too bad, or, or too high, or you've taken too much damage for one reason or another... You want to, like, keep an eye so, on when the, the helicopter's going to arrive? Is this a bit sort of, um... Did you play Loop Hero? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit Loop Hero in that yeah. sort of, like, um... Do I chance it and, like, let let my opportunity to bail on the level go mm. and try and do another, like, X amount of surviving? Or do I just take 
fifty percent of everything. Yeah, because like if I if I keep going and like I don't survive until the next opportunity to end the run, I will suffer big consequences for. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, but it is like you physically have to get to where the helicopter is, which yeah. can be difficult at higher levels because there's like so many enemies on the screen and getting getting to the evac. As you upgrade your infirmary, because that's another thing you can do, you can upgrade all of the buildings in your main base. As you upgrade the infirmary, you can make sure that the helicopter is closer to your position, is uh, it stays there longer, mm-hmm. um, and appears more frequently. So d- d- that's one of the sort of big important things to sort of like get at least a couple of levels in. Is like okay, it's within running distance pretty much anyway. Um, sometimes even, you know, if you've sort of managed to, uh, speed up a bit, you might be able to run there in no time at all and just go, I'm going to get a little bit more experience and just run around before the chopper leaves without me. Mm. Um, or you can just like leave it and go, well, I guess I'll wait another four or five minutes and see what happens and hope for the best. Because if that character dies, they, they die. So if you've paid money to upgrade their weapons or their armor... Um, because they have like a base weapon and a base type of armor. Mm. If you have like spent money on upgrading that, that's just gone. Oh, anything you picked up during the level that would be used for uh, enhancing your main base, gone. Mm. And also, like you don't have to worry too much about um, getting new stages unlocked because it's not like leveling based. It's okay. You had enough resources. We can now open another area. Okay, by doing that. So you yeah. can grind for extra levels, but then like future levels are way harder. Yeah. Uh by by quite a strong margin. It's uh, still in early access. Um a few people have complained that there are uh, quite significant frame rate drops at like um high timers, but I'm so used to vampire survivors of yeah, I kind of play too deliberately break it and, and yeah. watch it go down to nothing. Yeah. Maybe that is more frustrating when you are talking about the possibility of just, like, losing a character entirely. I suppose so. Like, the the, the thing with Vampire Survivors is, if I die, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. Like, once you get to those kind of frame rates. Yeah. Um. So, but it's still an early access, so it's... Yeah. Anything could happen. It's uh, under four quid, I think, at the moment. And if you own any of the three or four games they've partnered with, uh, you can get it for, like, 350, I think. Nice. Currently, and uh, yeah, it's it's one to keep an eye on, and what I'm enjoying so far, and it runs fine on Steam Deck, so yeah. uh, in my experience thus far. But yeah, uh, enjoying it so far. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else? Uh, I've been starting to play around with the Quest Three. Mm. The Quest Three. The Quest Three. It's it's another one of those VR headsets. Now it does mixed reality. Mm. Mixed reality. That's there's two realities. Yeah, my, my VR's in the real space and oh, whatnot. Shit. Uh, and what that basically means is, hey, you you can do your VR in the, like, ah, here's your fictional space station you're floating in or whatever that's, like, your, your place where you're doing your, vid- your video games. Or you can just see a colour video feed of, of the room you're in and yes. do the games in 3D space. Yeah, I've been seeing this keep popping up on my TikTok and, like, YouTube shorts of people, like, standing around in their kitchen cooking dinner while watching a film... That's just, like, virtually floating to one side. Yeah, like, look, I'm not at the point where I'm gonna, like... uh, There's a lot of people who seem very ready to live their entire life in this thing. Mm. And I'm not at that point. But I I do think it's pretty cool being able to, like... Hey, 
I've got a big virtual screen that I'm watching a video on. I'm just going to put it here in physical space. Yeah. And like I can I can like move about my room and then look over there and it's still the it's like I put a, th- a TV screen floating in space. Yeah. And that's cool. Um and I've been enjoying some like simpler games that it's just nice to feel a little less shut off from the world while playing them. Mm. Uh, there's one called Cubism that is just a puzzle game about here is a the out 3D outline of shape and a bunch of shapes that could be used to fill in that shape. Okay. Uh, try and put them in so that they all fit in with no empty spaces and no overhang. Oh, like those um, those wooden puzzles where you have yeah. all the different pieces. That and you kind just of try thing. And like them all in. that's a nice kind of game to play in mixed reality because yeah. it's like it's nice to be able to sit and do that. Without being like, I've shut off the entire world from me. Yeah, it has been interesting the couple of times you've been uh, playing stuff in the living room. Because I'm so used to VR being like, I guess I will just get on with my own things. And you're just like, oh, you, 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 uh, you, I think you asked me what I was playing on the computer. Yeah. You just like looked up and just like could see me was like, and is it black and white? And like, no, I have full color. Yeah, like, um, it it was cubism's a good example of one that's like not got so much going on you can't engage with the rest of the world because like as you said I was like oh yeah what are you what are you playing over on the computer I think we had a video a YouTube video playing on the yeah. TV which I was watching in color yeah in, in between while playing. I was playing Deep Rock Galactic yeah it was it's it's nice and I'm sort of experimenting with which games have support for that and how much that that adds mm. um it definitely seems to be most beneficial for stuff that you can just like sit and interact with while while other things are going on in a space. Mm. Um, I did find another VR game that I was excited to find that I had a lot of fun with today. Um, it is called, let me let me double check the name. It's called Smash Drums. Okay. It is a VR drumming game that isn't Ragnarok. Yay! Yeah, so to rewind, I talked about Ragnarok when the PSVR 2 came out. Which and as was, a drummer, you were very excited. Yeah, I was very excited by this VR drumming game, and then it turned out like a good chunk of the songs in it were from bands that have uh, racism or sexism or homophobia, etc. Scandals or, or all of the above uh, around them. It was a bit of a shame. It was particularly a bit of a shame that like the first track on there I found that I really, really fucking enjoyed was from a band that had some shitty shit going on, and it really put me off. And it was a real shame. Um, Smash Drums is pretty similar. It is a very similar kind of thing, just from what I can tell, because it's got less, like, Viking and pirate metal, there's less shit attached to it. Um, it is a... So, Ragnarok was a game where you just had, like, two big drums in front of you, and you would, like, you know, doing your drumming uh, to sort of make you know, your boat go forward. Yeah, and didn't you have stuff at the... Like, one on one thing on either side as well? Yeah, you had, like, you had like a row of dr- drums that were sort of around, and you occasionally hit stuff out to the side. Uh-huh. But it wasn't, like, a drum kit so much. It, it was, right. like, you were drumming on a few drums, not a kit. Mm. Um, this has a couple of modes, and it definitely... Both of them definitely do feel more drum kit-esque. Um... The one I haven't played so much of, I'll get out of the way quickly, is here is a static VR drum kit in front of you. The drums all have different colours on them. There's a a Guitar Hero note track going in front of you. Hit the notes at the right times. Haven't played as much with that. The mode I've been playing more is the drums physically come toward you. So, like, you know how in Guitar Hero, like, the the things... Yeah, no... 
you know roughly where the drums there's have to be when you hit for them. You. Quick, hit it. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a there's a snare drum. There's a cymbal. Hit them as they come. Go, 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 go. Okay. But they like come in into the position where you'd have to hit them. Okay. Um, and the way that it sort of signifies things like um, if if a note is going to be offbeat, um, it will do one exclamation mark or two exclamation marks if it's a quarter or half note offbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just sort of drum as the drums come at you. Okay. Uh, and it works surprisingly well as a system for for doing this kind of thing. Um, there is a pretty good amount of music in there. It's largely from, like, lesser-known bands. I did not recognise most of the bands in there. But the music that is in there is good. Um, I get the impression that this is music that they could licence for people to, like, stream playing along with without worrying about copyright and, and mm. stuff like that. But I found some really good tracks, and I will talk about some of the tracks I found um, in the listened section today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've not had enough chance uh, of a chance to like really go through all of the tracks that are there. But there is there's a lot of tracks. Um, my biggest issue is mainly that uh, th- if you if there are DLC tracks from bands you have heard of that are just in the track list, and they'll have a little shopping cart next to them. But it's very easy to go, oh, I know that track, I'll click on that track to play and like not register that there's a, a shopping cart next to it. And it's like, hey, this track is this much. And I'm like, I wish you would just not show me them if I haven't bought the DLC mm. or like put them elsewhere. It always feels skeevy when you mix paid content you haven't paid for in with the content that is available yeah. to you. It's not the biggest problem in the world, but it's like, it's a little scummy. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, it's been really fun. Um, it... It feels like a drummer's drum game, and there have been some re- I've already found a couple of tracks that are just very fun to drum to. Excellent. Um, so yeah, um, that has a mixed reality mode to it as well. Um, I haven't played around much with that yet, but mm. you can have the drum kit in 3D space in your living room nice. as, as you drum. I'm curious to try that out. Yeah, Drum Smash. I'm glad to have found a VR drumming game that I don't f- have to go, oh god, this is full of, of terrible bands. Yes. Um, so yeah, you played anything else this week? Uh, yes, I played a uh, virtual tabletop style version of the Deep Rock Galactic board game. Ooh. I have played quite a chunk of this now. Um, so uh, DRG board game went to Kickstarter like about a week into the whole um problems they were having with their um the like union busting stuff. Oh. Um so I'd never To be clear, it. uh Kickstarter's union busting stuff. Yes. For a, yes. For a moment you said you said yeah, it went on Kickstarter after their union busting stuff and my brain went, Deep Rock Galactic had union no, busting no, no, stuff? No, sorry. sorry, yes. yes. Kickstarter's, Kickstarter's union busting. Basic and yes. like, <laughs> Uh, and I messaged them like, is this coming to retail? Because, uh, I am not currently willing to, to back anything on Kickstarter. Mm. Luckily, Kickstarter got his union together. Well done them. Hooray! Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so it's just gone back to Kickstarter recently. Um, but I was like, you know what? It, it, since Facebook decided to absolutely just ram it into my feed every other second, I was like, you know what? I will give this a look, see if it's on any of the virtual tabletops. It is on one of the virtual tabletops I already owned. Mm. Um, and someone's done like a quite a nice scripted version of it. So you can just like, uh, load it up and, and click on whichever particular mission you want to do. And it will pull in a full scripted version of that mission and anything that's sort of hidden. 
but is scripted to sort of come up like in like in Frosthaven, where like let's say you had uh, a, like an upside down or a shadow version of the tile you knew was coming next after ah. you opened the door, and you just click on a button and it will flip the thing over and put all the stuff on there that okay. needs to be on there. Uh, so well done to whoever created that scripted version. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting. I'm probably playing it about as difficult, uh, in, in as difficult a manner as a, a single person could play a, uh, one to four player game. Rather than playing solo mode, I've been just been playing a four hander. Yeah. Which initially was just like a way for me to try and get a hang of the, uh, game as a whole. But soon became just like a, a just just enjoying the way each different dwarf acts. Uh, so like the gunner doesn't have a lot of damage output, but does roll like three dice at a time for their primary weapon. So there is more chance of hits, but because of the ty- the the type of um, dice that are being used, certain enemies just have a uh, like a resistance to at least one of those dice. Okay. Which means that, like, you, like, f- even though you may, might get three hits, only two of them are gonna collide at all. And for things, uh, for the, for the larger enemies, that can be a bit shit. Um, the first level is maybe too easy, but it certainly does give you a good, uh, a good way of, like, getting into the base mechanics of how mm. does, how does moving work? How does shooting work? And then, like, almost immediately the difficulty is way ramped up. Um, uh-huh. I've not found it super hard so far. I think I've only fully lost one match of this. Um, and I'm now just starting, like, the fifth mission. Um, but it has, like, all of the enemies you know and love from, like, early Deep Rock Galactic. Like, it doesn't have any of the stuff from uh, the current season with the the meteorite strikes. It doesn't have any of the uh, robot stuff in there, but it's got like your basic glyphids, web shooters, um, goo bombers, things like that. And um, yeah, it's it's a really good way. Like, isn't it's not super rules heavy, but it is a re- I think a really good way of um, getting uh, that Deep Rock Galactic co-op vibe. Onto a tabletop game, yeah. and uh, I'll be be interested if it does actually end up coming to retail. Nice. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far, and I will report back if I play much more of it. And who knows, maybe we'll play some together at some point mm. in a virtual world. Uh, what about you? Played anything else? Ah, uh, that's about it for me, I think. Uh, the only the other thing I would briefly like to touch on is uh, Frosthaven. Yeah. We did play a little bit more Frosthaven. Yes, we uh, we didn't play with our full group of four we usually do. Oh, um, but that's but the we... joy of Frosthaven, you can drop in, drop out. Yeah, we, we did a little three-player, three-player, couple, a couple of matches. Yes. Um, I retired my first character. You did, yes. Yeah. Uh, you've you've swapped to a to a new character. Yeah, so I was the bone shaper, and I had been since the very start of our campaign. I went through a good chunk of missions. I think. I yeah. think so we feel like we've done like ten, fifteen missions at this point. Oh, I, f- I feel like it's going to be more than that. Maybe that. I will sit down and count it at some point. Yeah. But um, yes, and had literally just finished painting my bone shaper, <laughs> and then retired them, and I think. I, I think it's very easy with something with Gloomhaven and, and Frosthaven to sort of go, I want to, like, try and... I want to pick a character and I want to retire them quite quickly. I want to get rid of them quite quickly. I want to be ready for them to, to go and and me to move on and unlock new stuff. 
Yeah. Because you've got a big box of stuff and so much of it is like, no, don't peek in here. <laughs> and having now retired my first character and <laughs> we've got like two other people in the group who are fairly close to retiring. You were the first person to retire. Yes. And I don't know, because you retired so quickly, I don't necessarily know if you had the same problem I'm having now. But to go from, uh, I think I just hit level five. Yeah. To like, uh, I like my new character was able to like uh, prosperity level to level two. Mm. To suddenly start a new character going, uh, I don't have any of the good modifiers I put in my deck. Yeah. I don't have uh, like I because I like had so many perks. I had like so many, so much of my modifier deck changed to suddenly go. I've got a new character. And they they just feel so weak, but mm. we're still doing like the same difficulty level. Um, yeah. Uh, so missions. I very much had this. I didn't realize I was retiring my character as quickly as I did, and I just kind of committed to it once I realized what was happening. I thought mine was like our friend's character, where I did the thing, and then, and then I would get a quest, and I could do that quest whenever I was ready to retire my character. Yes. And I didn't understand that by doing the thing, I, I was just going to lose my character right then and there. Yes. And I, I, I made a point to be like, I'm just going to commit to this and do a new character, even though I don't feel ready. I was really enjoying that character, because if I stress about it, it's going to become a whole thing. So it's just mm. like, I'm just going to commit to it, and I'm going to do a new character. And I'm very much enjoying the new character. But I did have that real moment of, I picked, I'd picked like, the first character I picked was one I was really excited about, and I was really getting into the flow of them, and mm. then suddenly I was doing something different, and something new, and I had to play differently. Yeah. And there was a, like, there was a couple of missions of, ah, uh, this is not what Frosthaven was a minute ago. Ah. Yeah. Um, it, it it passed pretty quickly. Mm. I I think I think inevitably when you've put like when you've put even even as early as my character retired when you've put that many hours into playing a character yeah. it's going to be a little bit of a lurch it's jumping to something new. Yeah. Um. Especially and... if you're like in the middle of a game day and going I've got to learn a new character on the fly and I don't I... think everyone's going to appreciate me going I need like an hour to learn this character. Yeah, again, mine was in the middle of a game day too. Yeah. Um I did my best to learn on the fly. Um yeah. I was like very quickly search uh, Reddit uh, advice for new character build and was like cool. What I way... couldn't find one for my What character. what are the ways you can build this character? Spec them out. How do they... Okay, okay, cool. There's like three directions I can take them. Cool. I understand sort of what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did a similar thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, like I'm not totally unhappy with this character, especially now that like uh, after we packed down for the day, I took some time to like look through all of my cards and decide on a build I was going to try and put that together. And it looks like this. I'm I'm playing the Drifter now, which is apparently one of the most like all rounder characters there can be. Mm. Uh, really diverse. Like really have a lot of different options with them. Uh, I have gone for a ranged build, so. Ooh. But th I think the main thing with this character is like lots of different characters in this game have this whole thing of like you'll play a card and it will have a little track on it, mm. and things can move along that track, and and you'll get yeah. experience, or you'll like for the next two or three uh, times a thing happens, you will yeah have some kind of bonus. Uh, like I was used to with the bone shaper, like. Uh, have a card that sits out that um, uh, the next time a ca one of your summons would die. Nuh-uh. 
Yeah, or even sort of the summons themselves are cards yeah. that you put out and they stay out indefinitely. Yeah. But that card being out indefinitely means you can't be using it on a turn-by-turn basis to yeah. do immediate things, and you have fewer cards to work with. Yes. And your new character has a lot of those cards that stay out long term. It feels like almost half of the, the, the cards from the starting deck have like a full six track thing, yeah. but it's like a permanent loss. So even though I was looking at it like, oh, I've got, you know, 12 cards again as this character and I've got tons of health, which I didn't have as the Bone Shaper. So suddenly I feel theme thinking like I could probably survive fairly well up front. As opposed yeah. to, like, hanging back and, and trying to keep everyone else alive, as I had done previously. But I had started to get, like, really genuinely quite powerful, to the point where it's like, yeah. it didn't really matter too much if I ended up out in front, because my modifier deck was so, uh, like, heavily enhanced yeah. that, like, uh, I, I, I was quite able to sort of hold myself together. And all of a sudden it's like... Yeah, I've got a lot of health, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, almost immediately, like, I, and I, and I quit, chose on, like, the spur of the moment, like, two cards to go into the, the deck, and almost immediately realized that they were completely unpayable in the way I had started to play that character. It's like, yes. oh, okay, we need to look at this at the end, but I will get through this Those- now. Those cards that you get in a character starting deck that will, like, permanently go away when you do a thing, I think can do a good job of leaning you towards, like, your character can do this, but you really shouldn't be building your build around it. Mm. And, like, the thing I think about with the character I'm playing now, um, being vague about who that is, um, there are very few cards I have that let me repeatedly, on a regular basis, do an attack without burning a card. Mm. Um, and even when I can, they're very weak attacks. Which okay. is, like, I can, I can maybe once or twice in a in a game do a do a big attack but generally like i'm not supposed to be doing that i'm supposed yeah. to be helping other people move around helping other people stay healed move them a little summons around and letting them do the fighting but when you have done that like the last couple of games we've played where you've got very much into that character and that yeah. understanding of that character you have become like the mvp I've I've been the MVP in the sense of like I don't get to be the one that does any of the cool dramatic upfront moments, mm. but I'm 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 just the little general in the back going like, okay, well I move my unit over there, I move that over there. Does anyone want some healing right now? You could do with healing. Cool, I'll heal you. Uh, who could do with some extra movement and do an attack at the other end of it? Cool, okay, yeah, you do it, that. It is definitely more of a support class, but like it's, it's very great. support class. It's a fun support class, but it's 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 having having played the um. Two different quatrel classes in Jaws of the Lion and um, Frosthaven initially, who were both very like, move very fast, hit very hard, be up front, yeah. big punch, run around. It's been a real learning curve to adjust to, I'm just here on the back and most of my turns will be, who could do with movement? Who could do with movement with jumping? Who could do with healing? Who would like to move and attack? Yeah, who would like, who would like to be the star of my turn? My, my turn is about other people being cool. You are the puppet master. Indeed, it's been fun to be, this, be able to help. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like, I definitely had the moment you had a, of, like, that that feeling when you first, like, retire a character you were really getting into. And that first game or two with a new character where you're like, that, that, mm, I, don't feel, I don't feel like I'm being cool yet. Well, not, not even not being cool, but, like, fundamentally not really understanding my character yet. Yeah. And feeling suddenly really underpowered 
for what we were doing. And luckily, we were only playing three-player, which meant that there were a lot more, like, regular-type enemies rather than the elites. Yeah. So it wasn't too much of a loss. And weirdly, while having this conversation, I'm already thinking that I might go in and respec back to Mm -hmm. a, a melee build. Because there are, like, a couple of things in those, like, that first set of 12 level 1 cards, not even the X's, Mm. that I think could make even, like, using the basic actions on card, like that, like, Mm. 2 attack or that 2 movement, really, really powerful for this specific character, which I don't think anyone else can really do. Yeah. And this, uh, this, I've, like, I've not seen anything like this in, in Jaws the Lion, um, and I'm so unused to being the big hitter, but I did have fun with Gloomhaven Digital playing as the uh, Inox character in that. Yeah. It's... Um, funnily enough, this is also an Inox. It's fun playing a very different kind of character to the one you're used to once you get over the hurdle of, this is how I play now. It is, especially for things like uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and, um, and, and like tabletop um tact- tactical yeah. um combat games like this because I'm so used to playing a support cl- class yeah. or wanting to wanting to be like the everyone mum mm. to suddenly go oh actually I can't you know be timid I yeah. have to be the big hitter because yeah, my team is now down yeah. a big hitter we we have a new we have a new healer who's very good at healing and moving people around be mm-hmm. aggressive you've got me to be a little safety be net aggressive be, be aggressive yeah it's-, it's quite funny because um our friend came over on sunday <laughs> Was like, yeah, yeah, I think I'll be able to retire my character today because I've only got my personal mission to do. And we did the first part of the mission and it was like, you're going to have to wait like three weeks in game time before the next next part <laughs> of that unlocks. I was like, yeah, okay, well, uh, I guess it's me that's going to be retiring and not you today. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. But uh, yes, hopefully I will have uh, managed to level up or, or get uh, a number of, of perks and ticks and things. Uh, before that happens, otherwise we're going to be quite underpowered for a while and maybe have to loop around. But it does feel like we've we've been doing like a couple of levels from earlier on in the campaign. Yeah. So maybe they were like slightly less difficult than uh, some of the other ones we've done. But it's nice that like you do get to look at um, the uh, scenario book and go like you can see roughly how difficult this is going to be. Yeah, um, and it's still fun. We finally got into winter, which is the other we, thing. We did, we did. Um, Shit's going down. Yeah, we are getting attacked, but we have high morale and big walls, and therefore we've actually had quite a smooth first winter. Yeah, relatively so. Far. so. We 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 built basically every wall we could have built. Yes, with the morale we had, which was pretty decent. Yes, and. Having invested in basically nothing but walls for quite a lot of summer, yeah. um, that paid off for us. It really did. Our first two times our uh, community got attacked during winter. Of this whole deck of cards, there were only two in which a building could even get damaged. Yes. Which was reassuring. Yes, because you've spent all this time building up this this whole community and, and uh, enhancing things. To suddenly go, oh yeah, the, you might just have to suffer eight consecutive attacks against this deck that's basically Russian rouletting you towards the like the wreck card and the one card that you uh, yeah. go because you don't reshuffle that deck between things yeah. like eight attacks are going to happen in this order against these buildings. Good luck. <laughs> Hopefully you haven't fucked that up too much. And now we're sitting there going, okay, 
which uh, which How- missions can we go on that we yeah. might mean there's less attacking happening? Oh it, shit! Indeed, but yes, the Russian roulette comparison is is sure is a thing. We it's like, hey, have you made sure there's as many chambers as possible and as few <laughs> bullets in it? Yeah. Um. Oh, there's only two bullets and like twenty four uh chambers. That's like pretty good odds. Spin, spin it. See right. how it goes. Yeah, and. Weirdly, I suppose that technically applies to the, the modified X that you use during missions, but it feels so much more apt when you're talking about the city itself. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't just retire the city. <laughs> it's not just a, 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 oh, a, turn, a turn went by where someone else will have to do the damage because you whiffed. It's, yeah. That building is in de- is going to need rebuilding, and that's a consequence. Yes, and that's expensive. Uh, so hopefully you've been picking up lots of things during yeah, the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's everything we played, is it not? I think so. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Have you just wandered into a room and you don't know how you got there or why you're here? Uh, d- yes? Are you still somehow filled with very much the feeling that you had a purpose when you initially planned to come in here? I'm definitely here for something. Yes, well, introducing Rewind Mind. Never worry about forgetting why you came into a room again. With Rewind Mind, you can just skip back through your thoughts by up to five minutes and discover your intentions. Rewind Mind. Play it back. Know why you're here. Oh, I was getting a sewing kit. Wait, why was I getting the sewing kit? Right, right, right. We've got to get thinking, everyone. There you uh, go. Uh, not enough people are spending enough money on planes. Right, no, have not... we considered making them worse and charging more? We have, and we have, and the executives still want more money in their pockets. Right, so we've got right. To, we've got to come up with something right. that either makes more money or has lower overhead costs. Can we just pay them in smaller bills? Well, I mean, that would make it look like more money, but yes, they, yes. They, they, they've got a screen that you know, shows the, essentially their high score, and if that number's not going up, they're not going to be happy. Right, right, so right, I, right. I've been working on something that okay. I think might, might, be, might be possibly a way to make some more money. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, w- what is the biggest expense involved in flying people in a plane? Uh, fuel? Yeah, it's fuel. And enough fuel to get them into the air. Like getting them in the air bit is the bit right, that's costing right, us all the right, money. Right. So, so you think just some sort of catapult, maybe? Ah, uh, no, no, no. That's still, you know, going to require a lot of energy to get them in the air. My my thought is, right. What if we didn't bother with the in the air bit? Right. What if we made like, uh, sort of like a plane, but right. without the wings because it's not going in the air. Right. And it just moves along the ground because it takes considerably less energy to go on the ground. Right. Like a like a some sort of long lorry. Sort of, sort of, yes. Uh, the, the the thing I'm thinking is right. uh, up in the air. We have sort of like uh, 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 lanes that yeah, planes roots. fly in. Yeah, yeah so you sort of roots yes, to make yeah. sure that planes don't yes. crash into each other. On the yes. on the ground, that's going to be even more of a problem because right. we've got roads. Well, yes, but there's cars on those, and they're going to be right, in the way. Right. So, so you want a sort of road that doesn't have cars on it? Yes, a special road, right. just. For these new wingless planes, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah, a lane. Yeah. Uh, the flight, uh, the flight will. Well, I, I guess we don't call it the flight. The journey right, will always take yes. the exact same route along these land lanes. Land lanes, and, yes, 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 and yes, yes, uh, yes, you know yes. we could have a similar number of people in one of these carriages. But oh, we could yeah, maybe even yeah. string a couple of them back to back because oh, you know, right, well, uh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, if they're yeah. going to be on the ground anyway. Probably easy for getting round corners if you need to do any cornering or anything. Exactly. So just you know connect a few of these back to back. Yeah, yeah, like a long snake. Yeah, sort of. 
this long snake. And long metal snake. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not going to work for everywhere because obviously there's places that have water in the way. Right, but yes, yeah, uh, yeah. for anywhere that is, you know, just getting across land, you know, right. going across Europe or, or America or something. Right, right, right. You right, could right. just have one of these land planes. Right, yes. And yes. we still charge, you know, the same sort of money for them, but we're not right. spending all that money on, on, on getting them in the air. Profit increased. Excellent, 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 excellent. Well, what are we going to call this terrestrial plane? This terra plane? Terrain. 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 Excellent, excellent, excellent. I, I really think it's going to catch Very on. marketable, very marketable, yeah. So, what have you put in your eyes? I saw something at the cinema I can actually talk about. What? I saw something at the cinema that is uh, not a struck work. It is. Ooh. It was produced under a uh, interim agreement with SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. So uh, I watched, uh, of all things, Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, which is a three hour long concert movie. Which is interesting, because you've not expressed a great deal of interest in Taylor Swift previously. No, and it's one of those things I was like, I am aware that a lot of people absolutely love this artist, and I've never heard anything of hers I've disliked. I've never gone, I need to go find more of your music. Mm. But the last, like, seeing the, like, ridiculous levels of excitement there have been around this tour and around this, like, tour movie happening, I was like, why not? I have the ability to go and see films. You treated me to a lovely uh, unlimited film uh, pass, which... I will note, I probably wouldn't have gone and seen this if not for that, because it was not the price of a standard uh, cinema ticket. Ooh. It's like £17. Wow. Um, which I don't know if that's like normal for, for concert movie, like, event movies or whatever, um, but didn't have to pay anything extra to go see it, so I was like, okay, I will go see it. Because um, like, my thought was, if I'm ever going to enjoy this artist... Three hours where, like, I'm not doing anything else and I'm just paying attention to a concert yeah. is probably the best chance I'm going to have to understand what is this person's discography and am I going to enjoy it? Yeah, and you weren't the partner who'd been dragged along to a concert oh. that wasn't interested in, in seeing it and then was deliberately not going to enjoy it when oh, you got there. Yes, Instead, the- <laughs> you watched that person... Oh, yeah, I did make a game out of <laughs> uh, trying to predict when this... um. I'm going to say husband in his, like, 60s. About every 15 to 20 minutes, uh, he would get up and go and get a beer from the uh, the bar at the cinema and come back with his beer and not a drink for his wife. Um, like, just time after time, it was clear that he was not even pretending to be engaged. And I was like, even if I don't, like, love all of this, I want to, like, go in looking to see what people love here. Yeah. Um, and it sounded like she gave a good show. Yeah, yeah. So... First thing I will say about this, fucking hell, that is like a three-hour live show that is just one headline act and, like, backing dancers. Yeah. Um, th- I I don't know that I've ever seen, like, a headline act play that big of a set, and, like, running around this very large set doing Ooh. very, like, acrobatic things. Go, go, go. It is impressive to watch. Yes. Um, I will also note the fucking set design for this is ridiculous. Yeah, so you talked about growing trees and a house and a tree. Yeah, so to like try and explain, like, before I explain the stage design, it's maybe helpful to explain like the format of this. So it's called the Eras Tour because it is like 
a half hour set back to back of like every one of her albums. Right. And I don't think they were in chronological order of the, of them how they released, but it's like, hey, we're going to do like a handful of songs from every single album in like distinct chunks and like theme. yeah, and there will be like elaborate stage theming for that album's bit of the the show. Yes. So like, oh, the word fearless came up on screen. I guess that's the name of an album and we're going into the fearless era. Um and each one of these had like very dramatically different staging. Um there was at one point like an entire office block building going on with people at desks like on computers and like five uh, five like, stories. Yeah, like multiple f- floors of this with like stairs going up to them yeah. and stuff. There was like a log cabin in the woods where Taylor Swift was being like a, a witch doing anti-men magic for a while, I think. Yeah, I can um, understand why she was paying her truckers so much for shipping yeah, this shit all uh, over the world. From what I understand, uh, at the end of the, the North American leg of the tour, she gave every one of her, tr- her truck drivers a $100,000 bonus each. Um, fucking deserve it, because this fucking stage setup. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, uh, at one point, like, the stage was tentacles and there were platforms rising up out of everywhere. Uh, trees appeared out of nowhere at some point. I don't know how that happened. Um, Tell us about the train. Yeah, uh, there, was, there, there was a train. I don't know where it came from or where it went. It happened. But people were getting on and off it. Yeah, there was, there, was sh- there was shit happening everywhere. It was... Uh, at one point, they used lightsaber golf clubs to beat up a car. Like, in Street Fighter, we could beat up a car. Okay. Um, it, it was very... Um, Go 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 visually, um, and good for the ADHD. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff to be taking in. Um, big big credit to the quite large group of like backup dancers that were all performing their heart out to to all of it. Um, I walked away from this, and I'll talk about like some of the music in the listen to section mm. today. I walked away from this going. There are some Taylor Swift albums I will go and listen to more that, like, caught my interest and, like, songs where I'm like, that was good. I need to find out what that one was. Mm. It Even if not every song was for me, there was a lot more variety than I knew there would be. Like, in my head, Taylor Swift is very specifically, like, the handful of radio-friendly pop songs that I have heard and, like, some country tracks. Right. And... I wasn't aware she'd really done much genre-wise outside of that. Mm. And watching this, it made me feel in some way... It it was in some way similar to, like, My Chemical Romance, in that sort of, like, every album has, like, an aesthetic and quite a different sound Mm. and, like, a cohesive... This is... You know, it, it's like the difference between listening to The Black Parade and then Danger Days and then yeah. going, oh, that's the same artist, is yeah. it? Well, not necessarily a concept album. It is like we put a yeah. vibe together. For yeah, it, and, and like the sound of the music is distinctly different. Like if you hadn't heard a specific track before, you could probably go, oh, it's probably off that album. Yeah. It sounds like the ones off that album. Mm-hmm. And there was like... There was more there was more inclusion of rock elements than I expected. Mm-hmm. There was more um sort of electronic bits mixed in and like interesting use of vocal filters. Mm-hmm. Um there was more diversity to the sound than I knew about and I definitely came away with a handful of Taylor Swift tracks I was like 
these are pretty good. It's funny because you came back and we chatted about this for like a couple of hours. Um, yeah. Uh, as you sort of progressively remembered more bits from this show. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't think I've ever listened to any Taylor Swift. And like we, we worked out like roughly when she'd started performing. And I was like, hang on, well, that was about the time I was working in retail. Which means every few months I would get, uh, like, 100 tracks of current pop music. Yeah. That, um, and, yeah, there is at least one track I think we worked out that I definitely yeah, had Yeah, uh, the, the Romeo and Juliet uh, yes. love story one. Yes. Yes, which which I'd mainly been aware of recently from TikToks of people going to Taylor Swift concerts, clearly expecting their boyfriends to propose doing the uh, marry me Juliet bit and then not doing it and it being very obviously awkward. Okay. Well, did any of them drink poison and stab themselves then? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Well, that's probably also healthier. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was surprised at how many songs I knew. I knew more songs than I, or at least I knew the choruses of more songs than right. I, I knew I did. And yeah, puts on a very good show. I can, I, I, I did come away with it with like a thing I had to research that I was curious about that I don't think I've mentioned to you right. yet, which is some of the big pulled back crowd shots. Like it's clear that everyone's wearing like gl flashing bracelets, right? Um, that I assume were like handed out to people as they came in, but like. There are like rippling patterns in terms of like changing colors and like moving like, these lights. So you can use the audience as yeah, a. Yeah, you can use the audience as like a, a. Like, here's a Mexican wave of color going across the audience. And I'm like, how the fuck are they doing that? Because like those bracelets can't like be specific to where the person is sat or anything. Uh, I did research. They have infrared infrared laser cannons essentially that they like point at the audience and like you can't see them but they are triggering the bracelets okay. and they're like shining them around in certain ways to like make okay, the patterns happen in the crowd cool. and like did you make them change colors the it's fascinating tech and it was very interesting like design wise yeah there's a there's a lot there's a lot of interesting showmanship happening. Yeah, I would be interested, I think, as much as anything, just, like, see a behind-the-scenes of, like, yeah. how they put those sets together and and how all the tech for, for things like the, the wristbands work. Because yeah. it sounds like, you know, quite the, um, you know, staging. It, it, um, it's quite the fucking production. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely came away with more of an appreciation of, of Taylor Swift as an artist and going... Cool, I get I get what people are enjoying here. So that was Ooh. that was the thing I saw in the cinema that I can actually talk about because yeah. uh interim agreements with SAG AFTRA, hey, continue to support the strikes. Damn right. This is the first thing I've talked about from many cinema trips because I support striking workers. Mm -hmm. What about you? What have you been watching? Um, not really much we can talk about, to be honest. Um mm. we we watched and you make some noise, drop out, at least to pay their people properly. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, drop uh, makes noise is always fun. People who are are good at n make sounds, impressions, so forth. This week's one was very much more about um like doing impressions. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they've got a good crew there, and it's it's good, funny, sort of almost whose line is it anyway type improv yeah. slash um vocal stuff, and yeah. Um, I again, I don't really have much to talk about about watched until they start paying the fucking striking workers properly. Well, I can tell you about another thing I I put in my eyes this tell week. Tell us, tell us. Uh, it's not a thing I watched. Oh, you read a book. I read a book today. A book I've been meaning to read for I'm going to say about a year. Um, so 
Lemony Snicket, author of, uh, or pseudonym for author of, um, the series of Unfortunate Events books. Yes. Um, I've not really been aware of anything else he's written since those, and I was a big fan of those. I like the writing style on them. Mm. Um, but maybe a year or so ago, he was doing a, like, Q&A author's evening at uh, Waterstones in London, and my, my little sister invited me to go along. And I was like, that sounds lovely. And it was uh, to promote a new book that was called uh, Poison for Breakfast. Mm. Uh, it is a pretty short book. It is 150 pages-ish, uh, and it's A5, so it's like, it's a pretty small book. I read it in a couple of, a a couple of hours. Um... On paper, the concept is it is a book about a person who has, you know, gotten up in the morning. He's, he's a writer. He's gotten up in the morning. He's had his breakfast. And then he finds a note that says, you've eaten poison for breakfast. And it is on, it is, it is on the surface a book about trying to solve the mystery of how, how did I get poisoned and who has poisoned me and what do I do about this? Mm. But it is much more a meandering look at what do you do with life? How do, how do I want to put this? It, it is a book about philosophy and life and about the journeys we make in trying to understand the, the impossible to understand. Mm. It is a book about coming to terms with the unknowable and... What do you do in the face of knowing that you know very little and can control even less? Mm. Um, it, it, in in this book's example being, if you do not know how you got poisoned or what you were poisoned with or how bad that's going to be or what the consequences are, uh, it, you have all that uncertainty and you try and pull at threads to find understanding and they maybe don't immediately provide answers. Mm. And that sort of sets in more that feeling of I there is so little I know about what's going on. Yeah, how do you come to terms with that? Mm. And I I know that some of my enjoyment for this came from the fact that it is very much a writer's story and one that I think people who do a lot of writing will get something additional out of. But I think it is a very well put together just. A journey with an excuse to happen. Mm. Um, it is a very well-written book. It is It is definitely written in that Lemony Snicket writing style. Um, yeah, it is a book I'm going to think about for a while. It's going to stick with me, I think. It is, a, it is a lovely book. It definitely feels like a book that is like specifically laser-targeted on writers with ADHD. <laughs> if you are a writer with ADHD, this book is going to fucking hit you a little bit different. Uh-oh. Um, but yeah, it is It is a lovely little bite-sized read that I am very glad I, I gave the time. Yay. Um, did I put anything else in my eyes? I think that's... I, let's leave it at that. I think that'll do. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Hey, Laura. Yes? We've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you want a console that can um, emulate every game console ever made? All of them? Do you want to play all of your legal backups? Ah, yes. NES and SNES and GameCube and Switch and airplane seat screen LCD watch pre-installed game that came with your Nokia 3210 designed to run on your toaster's heating elements... 
graphing calculator games, even games designed to run on a string of LED lights wrapped around a Christmas tree at King's Kong Station in 2015. Uh, yes? Do you want an emulator of Doom running on a fridge? So, so it's emulating the fridge that has Doom on it? It's a virtual environment where you can stand in somebody's kitchen playing Doom on their fridge. Okay. Do you want that? Uh, sure. Well, that's where every later.lol.net comes in. It's all of them, me laters. All of them. Every one of them. Oh, wow. It even emulates that thing with the water where you get the rings up on the on the thing in, in but with with the air bubbles. Water games, yes. yeah. Yeah, emulates that. How do you even emulate that? That's not software. It's wetware. Oh no, wait, that's <laughs> something very different, isn't it? That's <laughs> every later dot lol dot net. Enter the code Q and PS two hundred two hundred and question mark. No two hundred. Mm, work out how to spell that yourself and you get. 25% off your copy of Every Later, which is available on everything, which is really convenient. I'm going to use my calculator to emulate a fridge emulating Doom. Well, I'm going to use a Playdate to emulate a fridge emulating Doom, which is in turn itself got Minecraft built inside of it, which oh, is also a calculator. My brain hurts. <laughs> Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I've been getting some inspiration. Nice. So, uh, I, I don't know if you've seen this uh, video game that released about the, uh, the big gorilla. Mm, no, I don't think I know that one. No, it's uh, b based on some film license. Some One, one of our uh, competitors put out a, a game about this uh, big, big gorilla. It, it's beating up dinosaurs or whatever. Right, but, uh, right. It's, uh, it's pretty bad. Right. And, like, bad in ways that, like, are very shareable online. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. people memeable. have been... Yeah, memeable, you might say. You right. know, people people have been sharing gifts of, like, oh, this cutscene's not finished, there's just a JPEG in there huh. rather than <laughs> the animation <laughs> and shit like that. How and, come we haven't tried that? Well, that's what I'm suggesting. Is, right. uh Like, look, people complain if we make bad games. They don't want to buy games when they're bad. And I, right. I, I almost get that. I mean, buy them. We need you to buy them, but... Making a game bad in specific ways. What if we made a game that was, like, rushed and bad, but, like, certain things were so hilariously, like, rushed and bad... Right. ...that people went out to buy it to see the ridiculously bad meme game? I mean, that's how they sold so many of that, um, goat, uh, game, where you play a goat and it's really bad. Exactly, exactly. Like, what, what if we... made tons of those. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what if we, we, you know, we we act like, you know, if anyone complains, we'll act like it was deliberate and satirical or whatever, but, like, we it's just... It's memeable and oh, streamable. Oh, no, in the middle of that cutscene, the, you know, our character T-posed and went upside down. Whoa, that's wacky. Yeah, you know, people like wacky. Yeah, stuff that people will buy the game just to, you know, we just put a bunch of bugs in to be like... Yeah. Hey, what wacky bug will you get? It's yeah. a unique experience for you. And that Could means we do like loot boxes for the wacky bugs? Like get a limited edition five star wacky bug. I don't know. I feel like I feel like that might be. I feel like we've got to not seem like we're in on the joke. I feel like they've right, got to think right, that right. they're they're getting the laugh at us by buying the game to show off the bugs. Right. Because right. like, if it looks like we want them to know about the bugs, it's like, oh, no, oh, the corporation's trying to... It, it, it's right, got to be right. like, yeah. ah, I'll show them, I'll buy their game and show how shit it is. Ha ha ha. You are a fucking genius. I know. I know. 
So, <gasps> what's gone in your ears? Uh, I put a few things in my ears this week. A whole week. bunch of Taylor Swift, apparently. Well, well, I got I got a few different things I Ooh. can talk about. So, first thing I'm going to talk about, weirdly, is a song I learned existed from Poison for Breakfast. Right. Uh, which is a song called Harlem Roulette by the Mountain Goats. Okay. Um, Which is a fascinating song about the tragic overdose death of a singer called Frankie Lyman, who was the, the writer of uh, and singer of the song Only Fools Fall in Love, uh, quite an old song. Uh, who was like in his vocal prime as like a famous singer and then got drafted to war and came back, started to write new music only to accidentally overdose before his new works could really take off. It is a tragic story, very interestingly put to music. Mm. Um, I like that this track is very literal with its lyrics. There is no mystery, there is no flowery language where you would sort of have to know the story to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. It is very directly about the events that happened okay. um, as a very direct musical tribute to an artist's work. Um, there is a line in it that really stuck with me as like beautifully written and as a really interesting core to it. Um, Even awful dreams are good dreams if you're doing it right. Um, and this sort of sentiment of trying to enjoy the bad moments because at least you're here to enjoy them. Mm. And it's a very interesting track. Um, That was one I listened to. Mm. Uh, I will throw out a couple of tracks that I played in Smash Drums. Um, And there's not a huge number of them currently because uh, I'm going to get to the last one and I got to this one and then just played that one on loop because that one was really fucking fun to play. Nice. Um, So there was a track called Boku no Universe by an artist called Beko. Which is just like very by the books animated rock. It was fun. Excellent. It's uh, I think there's a reference to the Death Note in the middle of it at some point. Yeah. It's it's very unapologetically making references to anime, but the beat is very good and it's very catchy. Um, and then I played through some tracks from a band called All Right uh, All Right Years. Um, first two tracks I had fun playing. Um, uh, the first two tracks were called Twenty Nine and Say Yeah. Both of them felt a little whiny lyrically. Um, neither of them are ones I would really listen to outside of this context. They feel a little lyrically, um, believe me, I'm one of the good guys. Ooh. Um, like, not, not aggressively, but enough that, like, I wouldn't trust them <laughs> not to be one of those guys. Alert, alert. Right. My, my radar is, like, keeping an eye on them. Like, yeah, not red flag. Yellow yeah, alerts. Yeah, not red flag. Yellow flag is raised, and I'm sort of keeping it over there. Um, they were sort of, like, not too fast-paced, had some fun um, beat rhythms. They were fun tracks to play. But the one I really enjoyed, and I enjoy this as a track by itself and very much to drum to, mm-hmm. was uh, a track called Something I Can Dance To. Um, it is a really fun mix of, like, rock and dance with an upbeat energy and this really hecking fucking dr- cool drumline to do. Nice. Um, it's, it's, it does a lot of, like, um, you know the intro to Destroyer from MCR, that sort of, it, there, there's a very low floor tom being played, there's da dum da dum da dum da dum at the start of Destroyer. Okay, like tri- triplets? A uh, li- little bit, but it's on this sort of, like, uh, re- repeating triplets on a big low drum. Right. There's a very similar thing uh, that's, like, triplets with a low drum and a little bit of cymbal mixed in that, like, drives through the chorus that's really fun to play along with. Nice. Um, so those are a couple of tracks from Sma- uh, Smash Smash Drums. I'm mm-hmm. sure I will have more of those in future. 
But here's some Taylor Swift recommendations I have this week. Uh, There was a track called Antihero, which I'd heard the chorus of before um, on TikTok. It was the, it's me, I'm, I'm the problem, it's me. I've not not done it justice there. It's come up a lot on TikTok. I knew the chorus of it. It's um, very chill synth pop with a very interesting sort of vocal filter effect about self-destructive behavior and self-blame. It's basically a very, everyone tells me I suck, and I don't see that when I look in the mirror, but I'm starting to believe it because of external, so you know, external scared. feedback. I can only ignore, you know, sh- sh- other people's shitty opinions so much. Mm. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. Um, there's a beautiful track called Champagne Problems. Um, it's a really interesting gentle piano track about, uh, it's very narrative focused about someone who turns down a proposal from a man just before Christmas, and the man feels spited and uses her mental health struggles against her when lashing out. Oof. It is a super heartbreaking track, but beautifully delivered. Mm. It is like a really good track about someone who supposedly loved you enough they were about to marry you, so quickly turning to that sort of like, oh, that fucking bitch sort of mentality. Mm. And... That as soon as you have said no to my advances or my advances stop here, my being nice to you ends. Yes. Um, and it is... It flirt, is, flirt, flirt, whatever, you're ugly. Yeah. Yeah, I it is, and And very specifically that, like, weaponizing the fact you said no against you mm. and, like, using it to turn other people. Yes. It is a... It is a heartbreakingly beautiful track. It is... And so relatable. It is It is a real good one. Um, I told you a little bit about this one when I came back from watching it. Uh, this one's called The Last Great American Dynasty, which mm. is a sort of traditional country track about a woman coming into money, definitely not because she killed her rich old husband by pushing him down the stairs. Wink. Wink. Uh, who goes on to basically be an absolute nuisance to high society now that she has access to the spaces, uh, you know, just being eccentrically inconvenient to 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 people who who didn't marry into their money, uh, just being a fucking nuisance in rich people's spaces, and it's quite it's quite in, it's quite endearing. One should so chaos in yeah. rich people's spaces. Uh, and the last one I'll bring up this week was a sort of dancey electro track called The Man. And this is the one that had the elaborate, like, five-story, um, office, office space. Book. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, it, it, it's lyrically pretty basic on some, like, you know, basic feminist ideas. Um, basically a must be nice to be allowed to take up space and be listened to and not have to work as hard and things would be different for me if I were a man. Not particularly groundbreaking feminism, but it's good and catchy, approachable basics. Good Barbie uh, feminism. It's, it's, it's good Barbie feminism, but the thing is, it's got a very fucking catchy beat, and I know it's not saying much, like, new. It's not saying anything that, like, people who are entrenched in feminist reading are going to see anything mind-blowing to, but it is very accessible feminism wrapped up in, like, I... Despite knowing how basic it was, even in the cinema by the end of the song, I already knew the words to the chorus and I kind of wanted to sing along. Yeah. It's, it's got that, like, it makes me feel the way I feel listening to Dessa tracks. And clearly, like, Dessa's, um, wordsmithing around feminism is, is a bit more in depth. Mm. But it's got that same sort of, I want, like, I hear this and I want to sing along and prove men wrong. It's like, 
it it makes me want to succeed to spite men. <laughs> and you know what? If your basic basic level but catchy feminist track makes me want to go, yeah, fuck off, man. You've you've achieved your goal. Um, yeah. it's it was it was fun and it is stuck in my head. So yeah, there's some Taylor Swift I enjoyed. Yay! There you go. I learned some Taylor Swift I like. Hashtag Taylor um, Swift facts. There are probably others, but those are the ones that today I could remember off the top of my head. I wanted to go and double check. Those are I was ones like, that really stuck. I remembered them. enough about those to find them later. There's one I want to find that was in the middle of the show that was like ten minutes long, and it was beautiful. It had a very almost like Tracy Chapman fast car vibe to it. Ooh. Um, it was like 10 minutes long, I don't know what it's called, and I'm having to find it still, but I will find it. If anyone knows what the 10 minute long song in the Taylor Swift era's tour movie recording is, let me know, because I liked it. Yeah, that's, that's some stuff I listened to this week. Well, that's, that's a yeah. lot, that's a lot have of listening. You, have, have you listened to anything this week? I listened to a couple of things. Uh, we listened to uh, the Skyrim soundtrack again, because that's just really good for playing Frosthaven too. It's good background for adventuring. It really is. Um, but there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, I'm going to keep it really spoiler light, because you are uh, considerably further behind on Welcome yes. to Night Vale than I'm I am. I'm maybe 80 episodes in and... Getting through the audio, the first uh, first audio book. Yes, and I want to talk a little bit about episodes 188 and 190. Um, fine, uh, I have ADHD. I'll have forgotten anything <laughs> you say by then. 188 is called uh, "Listeners' Questions," mm. and it starts out as, "Hey, uh, everyone's really busy right now, so uh, there's not going to be a proper episode." Uh, I'm Joseph. I'm gonna read some of the, the, uh, some, some letters. Okay, so not in character. It's not, um, yeah, as, well. in character as himself. Okay, not, not, um. Not hosted by Cecil. Yes, no, hosted by the human being who is the writer, who, one, the of the writers. one of the writers of Night Vale. Okay. Yes. And it starts off as just like answering, answering reader letters. And one of the letters is, hey, why are you making, why are you saying you write about Night Vale? I hear the Night Vale broadcast all the time on my radio. <laughs> um, and then, like, okay, well, that can't be right. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call, like, um, the other writer and I'm maybe gonna call Cecil um, uh, Cecil Palmer, Palmer, yeah, and I'm maybe gonna like tr- try. I may even call this person and find out what. And it just spirals and spirals and spirals, and I won't give too much away. But it goes to some really dark places in a f- very fascinating way. Yeah. Um, of yeah, you've maybe like abstractly thought about some of the Night Vale stuff, but if someone tells you that they've only really written about it from a hmm, we write we write a weird story about a weird place. Mm. I am now experiencing the weird place. It is considerably freakier when you actually think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that whole episode is fascinating. And I'm not going to really say too much about uh, episode 190, but can that one's this one's just called listeners and. It starts with Cecil talking about that the world has become aware of Night Vale. Ah. And uh, it just starts throwing in 
cameos from a what is the network that um, oh maximum fun maximum fun yes. it feels like it just throws in a lot from maximum fun yes. as uh like little tiny cameos of maybe less than a minute of just like hey we're going to talk about yeah. night veil this wacky thing and the thing that just made me go i'm sorry what the fuck was oh no ross and carrie going we visited the church of the smiling god yeah so for anyone who doesn't know oh no ross and carrie is a wonderful podcast i need to get back into listening to where two people ross and carrie go and engage in person with pseudoscience cults uh like uh they did a famously did a series where they went undercover in Scientology for about nine months. <laughs> and maybe um, had big, big problems with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh when they got caught, um a lot of shit went down. Yes. Um but yeah, they 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 do a very interesting show, and I would love to know what happened when they went to the Church of the Smiling God. Yes, um, there is uh, like a couple of other cameos, including some of the brothers. Um, but yeah, like don't want to go on too far, but it was very bizarre going. Hang on, I know of at least three or four of these podcasts, yeah. and now the the doing walls. a bit in universe talking about. Night Vale existing as a real yeah. place. The fourth wall is starting to disintegrate a little. Yes. I am very excited about that because here's the thing. I think about the most enjoyable experiences I've had with Welcome to Night Vale and they are when they do good use of medium mm. and understanding where the the walls of the medium they produce in exist and how to poke at them. Yes. Um, one of my favourite Night Vale experiences was I went to a Night Vale live show many years ago uh, that was called The Librarian. Mm-hmm. And the, the deal was a librarian had escaped and at one point in the performance, the librarian breaks into a theatre and the performance is playing around with the knowledge that the live show audience is in a theatre at that moment, mm-hmm. but the folks listening to the recording of the live stream at home are not. Right. And playing around with um things like, uh, oh, well, it's so good that you are tucked up at home, safe, and not in a theatre right now. <laughs> and a lot of, like, playing around with um, okay, and reports are that the librarian, uh, you must not look at the librarian because you will be petrified to death if you look at it. The reports are that it's uh, starting to crawl across the ceiling. Don't look. Uh, <laughs> and like, really good playing with like, we know we're publishing this in two different mediums and we want to give a unique thing to whichever medium you're experiencing yeah. it in. And like, stuff like that is, I think, when Night Vale's at its best, when it understands how to prod at the reality of its yeah. medium. I, I will come back briefly, but yes, I agree that I, I love that how much of that exploration of medium they do and experimenting with a lot of that stuff. And like the fact that there have been a few episodes that I've listened to recently that have gone rather than... Here is a full episode of Cecil talking about Anne Thing. It might be, uh, or, or talking about like just the world of Night Vale. Here's the community calendar. Here's the w- traffic. Here's the yeah. weather. Here's anything else. And um, there's been a couple recently that have just been. I'm going to tell a story about a character. Mm. Um, there is one called uh, To the Family and Friends of. Um, and it is talking about one of the um, interns. 
Mm. And it starts off being like to the family and friends. To the family and friends is a thing that comes up in life. Yeah, whenever an intern dies, which happens a lot. And it starts off as to the family and friends of intern, whoever it was, um, uh, who who died recently. Also, by the way, as there always is, uh, there is a, a vacancy here. <laughs> yeah. And but then it sort of completely skews that that like constantly reinforced um, narrative from throughout a hundred and fifty odd episodes of, of Night Vale at that point. And so it just tells the life story of this character. Yeah. Who just died recently and had once been an intern. But Cecil always thinks about everyone who was ever an intern. Like, like intern Diane is intern Diane for the longest time. Yeah. Despite being the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that stuff, um, that was a, like a really interesting change. The one thing I will say where they fucked with the, the, the media or, or the concept of the media, that really did not work for me, and I might have talked about this previously, is an episode called All Right. I don't know it by name. It is almost exclusive. It, basically, the concept is that uh, you have to uh, experience everything on the right-hand side because that's the narrative they're going with. Yeah. I'm almost completely deaf in my right-hand side. So to listen oh. to this on headphones meant that Okay, well, I'll just swap my my headphones around so that I can hear it. But at several points, it goes, Ah, but now we're here on the left. Ah, but now we're here on the right. And that did not work for me at all as someone who was trying to just go for a walk and do the shopping. Yeah. With my headphones on and listening to a podcast and it futzing around. And it. I think I find few things as distressing as, like, being reminded constantly of... That disability, yes, in a way that feels almost, almost teasing. Yeah, I, 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 I think it is fair to say it, it could feel a bit mocking. Yeah, um, as somebody who fucks around with sound as as like making music, I kind of get it though. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's totally an acceptable thing to do in a piece of media, but it, it maybe be a good idea to recognize that it's not going to be accessible to everyone and maybe put a heads up of like hey this episode isn't going to be super accessible yeah i think i think it does do something talking about the fact that you can like uh either don't listen to it with headphones or um just swap ears don't worry about it too much but given the situation and and the rapidity with which it can move to yeah. the other side in a, in a couple of occasions and even just be like oh it's okay we can go back to the left here now don't worry it's okay we're here on the left oh no shit we're going to go back and then it's like oh, i just <laughs> yeah and it's a shame because that sounds like a really fun concept if it works for yes. you and if you have uh, monophonic hearing uh, or, or limited hearing on one side listen to that episode without headphones on yes that is an episode sometimes i'll be able to listen to sometimes <laughs> i won't my hearing is all over the fucking yes. shop but yeah that, that those are some things i have enjoyed recently do you have you got anything, have you got anything no, else no to i think to? that's it for me well then time for this there it is, our new device. We can finally talk to birds. Indeed, years of research finally coming together. I'm glad this second round of testing has really come together. I, it's, our, our new device is smaller, more portable. In fact, I can just 
wear it as, as, as a headband and I can understand birds everywhere I go. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Now, uh, previously we did do this just in the lab, but let's take it out for a field test today. Oh, yes, yes. Sounds like a wonderful plan. Wonderful plan. Wonderful plan. Oh, what a lovely day it is. Lovely day. Oh. Oh. Oh, 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 oh yes. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I see that chaffinch over there. It really oh. seems to be... It's treating away wonderfully. One, yes, it's, uh, well... What's it, what's it, what's it saying? I fucking love trains. Trains, oh. trains, trains are the best. Ooh. More trains. <gasps> oh, I love a train. Oh, that seems, that seems rather... Love rather. A tra- oh, fuck off, it's fuck, it's, it's telling that car to fuck off. So, oh, oh my. Oh, is that because oh. it's not a train? It's not a train, isn't it? Oh, I see. Like, oh, oh. Oh, well, I, I'm not sure I want to do a full translation of exactly well, the things it's saying as it's shitting all over that car's windscreen, but, I, um, wow, that's, uh, that's, uh, certainly is some, some, some language, uh, some language, but, uh, oh, um, oh, the, the p- lovely pigeon over there, lovely little wood pigeon. Oh, ooh, wonderful, ooh. lovely. So, such a soothing, oh, uh, it's just listing trains. Oh. Diesel the, electrics. Sort of. Positively, I assume, positive inflection. Yes, yes, very, very. It's just, it was like, it's just talking about all the trains that it loves to that, uh, that Robin over there, who is also just nodding and, and, and making affirmative, uh, tweets. But, uh, yes. Oh, oh, they, I think they've, 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 they've now seen the car. Oh, oh. wow. Wow. Oh, oh, oh. That's a bit much. That, that, wow. That, also, that car is going to need a, well, probably a hose down. And if not a hose down soon, probably some kind of scrape. Oh, 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 oh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to take that off, I'm afraid. I've, oh, I've, I've, I've never heard such language, frankly. Frankly, well, they, well. they, they will just shit all over a car because it's not a train. Well, if you're taking it off, I might put it on. I quite like trains. I mean, I, I, I also love trains. Not enough I've ever shitted on a car, but I do quite like trains. I don't know. I think they might try and talk you into it anyway. <laughs> I've uh, got to go over there now. Enjoy your go on the headsets. Fucking oh. micro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look at that. Rally Chopper. I always wanted one of those when I was a kid. You always see them at car boots like this. Yeah. Oh, I bet it's going to be really expensive, though. Yeah. Yeah, you seen anything good? Well, I mean, there's some old, old, old Pokemon cars. They're not in Ooh. bad condition, you know. Are they, are they genuine, though? I mean, probably. They do look like... They, 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 they're in the condition where I reckon someone's mum's dug them out of a cupboard. Played. Yeah. Played condition. Good, but good played condition. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. okay, what is that? Uh-huh. Mmm. Yeah, that's not portentous. Mysterious figures sitting at a picnic table in front of a chariot, which appears to be burning with black fire that gives no warmth, with a sign saying, We do collections and deliveries, written somehow, somehow handwritten, but also looking in a very gothic font. Yeah. Yeah, that's concerning. Hey... Friends, what what is it? You're uh, what 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 you got here? We do trading. Yes, trading. Uh, uh, tr- trading for what? Do you like soft animals? I... Yes, soft animals. I I do. Mm. Would you like 
kitten. I, ah, oh, I, I, I would, but I'm afraid of what you're going to ask for in return. We will take a fascist or a Tory. Oh, oh, I really thought you were going to take my eternal soul. Um, not yours. No, not yours. Uh, well, that table over there's got a got a got a Union Jack uh, going off the end of it, so I'm gonna say there's a there's a good percentage chance uh, they'll do. Well, if you bring them over, you can have the kitten. Yes, the kitten. You're right; they do look corrupted. Hey, so what do you reckon about Brexit? Best decision we ever made. Never, never done nothing wrong. Perfect Brexit. Oh well, would you like? To take part in Brexit too, even more Brexit. It's right over this way by the hooded more, figures. More independence, and uh, oh yeah, well, you know, we get can get control of our money back. You know now that's uh, yep, yep, just a. <laughs> well, that was horrifying. But look at the little kitty. Enjoy your little kitty. Thank you for the fashions. I want to see more of. What do you want to see more of? Social justice warriors. Social justice warriors. Yeah. Right, Larry. Right, Larry. How you doing? Oh, uh, my best, mate. Yeah. Just, yeah. You, you doing all right? Yeah, managing, managing. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. You, you been up to much? Uh, you know, I've been. Uh, oh, I've been. I've been. Uh, I've been watching people uh, not be great about their strike solidarity recently. No, has it reached the point of uh, it's it's been going on so long that it's become inconvenient to them somehow? Well, I don't even know if it's that. It's it's. Yeah. I, I feel a lot part of it is people have gotten you know distracted by whatever the next thing to take their attention is, yeah, or like you yeah. know, or, you know, gotten bored of of you know acting like they are caring. You know, right, it's, yeah. it, you know how it used to be. It's the difference between uh, what is that they say about principles or any principles if you're still doing them when people aren't looking, and it seems yeah, that even when looking, they have got bored of yeah, pretending it, to care. It, it, the, the way the, the way that some people, certainly not all, but the way that certain people have started slipping back into talking about me, uh, you know, films and TV shows that are struck works, yeah. uh, and, you know, offering them a little promotion. It reminds me a lot of, like, you know, when st- stories were coming out about video game companies being bad, mm-hmm. and you'd get, like, here's a, st- here's a new story about how bad that company is. Anyway, here's a link to our review where we give uh, their game this good score. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, on, li- on, literally on the same page as oh, talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. you know the the terrible thing happening at the big company. You know, your pre order. There's thing. a sidebar pre order now. The yeah. latest. Uh, it's it's got a little bit of that vibe, and it's. I don't want to. I don't want to suggest it's everyone. It's yeah, certainly yeah. not most people. No, but no. The 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 dam of you know strike solidarity uh, in the you know media creators online is starting to break a little, yeah, and little yeah. cracks are starting to uh, appear, and it's. Not it's at that moment where like a few people are showing up to a few premieres that they probably shouldn't and mm-hmm. taking a few brand deals they probably shouldn't. And it's important to remind everyone that strike is still ongoing mm. and it is really important at this moment, like you know, uh, you know, hundred plus days in, to be showing that kind of solidarity yeah. because the uh, the movie studios the uh, the 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 message they will get if you start breaking you know the uh, crossing the picket line. You is, only cared about the writers. You don't actually care about the, yeah. the actors. And and you know that will embolden them to do what they did with the last round of uh, SAG negotiations, where they offered the actors a worse deal than the one they offered before the strike began. Yeah, and yeah. like that kind of shit, like 
they will try that shit if they think people have stopped caring about the strike. Yeah, if, if, if they it, if they think you've stopped paying attention. Yeah, if, it feels like what we need is is someone like our, our, uh, you know our, our Drew Barrymore or whoever to you know go on and. and uh, have a, to, you know start advertising a bunch of movies or whatever, yeah. so that uh, you know, obviously that sort of level of uh, scabbing is addressed. Exactly, and I, I think that's kind of the point. Is like it's 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 easy to forget that, that like this just because this strike has been going on for ages does not mean it is a done deal and the studios will offer them a proper deal. Yeah. Because the second they smell a hint of weakness on the picket line and a little sense that it could fall apart they will try and offer the shittiest shit deal possible yeah, yeah. if they think they can get away with it. So you need to still be paying attention to the fact the strike is happening and still respecting the, you know, uh, the, the picket line as it is drawn with regards to strike work and not doing the studio's work for them in helping to, you know, get around the strike. Yeah, and I think from the point of view of, of people who maybe don't follow the industry uh, as closely as others might, be having a bit of trouble with the fact that whoa, did the did they not just win the strike because well yeah that, the WGA have obviously you know uh, ended that that strike and and I'm unfortunately that uh, not being as as much of a uh, a, a cohesive whole of of, of uh, multiple unions working together I, I think yeah. Yeah, maybe that is um, certainly from the studio's point of view they're feeling you know maybe they're in a in a stronger position as a result. E- exactly. At the very least, they feel like they've bought themselves however many months it will take to write the pieces of media that they they will then need the actors back for. Yeah. It's although you know as I understand it, there's a, a whole bunch of things that are, are on hold. You know, I, I heard recently uh, a couple of actors saying, yeah, uh, you know. Th- not, I mean, I didn't hear their opinions on on the strike itself, but uh, when asked questions about uh, ongoing pieces of media that they were in, that they basically want them to end so that they can get on with other things in their lives. Yeah, it's 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 tricky. I yeah. it the thing is, like as as we've said before, like the 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 Writers Guild of America strike did get like a lot of the key things that yeah, SAG yeah. is asking for from these same studios. Yeah. They have they have proven that the studios can do things like resi- yeah. proper residual structures for online yeah. streaming, and uh, that those things are not you know beyond the pale. As, exactly. as uh, you know the. the um, uh, oh, I can't remember what the, the the acronym is now, but the basically the 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 struck. Uh, oh, the AMPTP. AMPTP. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah. If it, it's not beyond the pale, it's and but the, I understand that the AMPTP literally walked away from the last round of talks, saying, "Oh, it's completely possible. They're asking for too much." And you yeah, know, and, and thankfully, the you know, the talks have thankfully resumed now. Oh, but no, like, no, uh, no. It, it is really important to be like. Because the WGA did secure those things that sag after is asking for, the blueprint exists that they can do it. Yeah. It is more important now than ever to support the strike and to go, you can't just get away with not offering the actors the things that you demonstrably can offer them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's not that hard not to talk about you know these these bits of media and, and, and stuff. You know, I, I, well, I say that from the point of view of someone who isn't, you know, a, a formal uh, reviewer on any any of this type of stuff, but uh, but even if, so, like the, you know, the, the the strike does not. If you are a formal reviewer somewhere reviewing TV and film, and that is your job, SAG-AFTRA has exemptions for you that exist. It's yeah. mainly people who are like, 
well, I do a lot of media stuff and I could be covering other things, content. but I'm choosing to, yeah. you know, go, go, you know, do this, that and the other about movies. Yeah. Like people who are not contractually obligated and your content could be about other things. Yeah. Just keep respecting the strike. Don't, yeah, absolutely. you know, don't, don't, don't be on the side of the studios at this moment if you can help it. Damn right. Yeah. yeah. Solidarity. Union strong. Yeah. That's young, mate. Oh, yeah. Oh. Now this is a union I can give you. Yeah. yeah. Like all unions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Good luck, mate. Good luck. Good luck. Right, I'll uh, go and put the kit on. Oh, sounds lovely. Nice, nice. So, Laura. Yeah. You do things that are on the internet. Where can people find the things that are on the internet well, that you do? You can find the stuff I do on the internet at Laura K. Buzz pretty yeah. much everywhere Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, Blue Sky, Mastodon, all the things. Um,. Soon, I will be trying live streaming on both Twitch and YouTube at the same time because the partner guidelines allow you to do that now. Ooh. So you might be able to find my live streams on YouTube as well as Twitch at 10 p.m. Have UK. To look at two lots of chat. Well, I've got a thing that will show me both of them in OBS, <laughs> so I can read both chats at once. I'm not allowed. Twitch's partner things don't currently let you meld the chats, so people in one chat can see what the other chat is saying. So I will have to, someone in this chat has said blank, and like, respond to full messages, uh, so that people in the other chat know what's being responded to. I'm gonna give it an experiment, see how it goes, but like, we're getting to the point where I don't have to just be on Twitch, so you might see my streams also on YouTube at the same time. Um, Stories of Autistic Joy, it's out <gasps> now, go check it out. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Gender Euphoria audiobook is, I think, November 28th, I believe. You Look forward to that. recorded it. Yeah, and it's like in a little over a month it's going to be out, I think. So look forward to that. What about you? Where are you on the Me, internet? I can be found at linktree.ee slash janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find the t-shirts that design the music I make, uh, the things I write about, and all that good stuff. You can help support me at patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio for as little as a dollar a month. You can help me justify a 76-hour work week. You can help me um, find and recover all the people, because we've, we've had some dropouts recently. Ooh, winter's coming. Winter is coming. coming. It's always the time when there's a whole bunch of people that drop out on Patreon. And uh, so, yeah, you can help me recover from that. Uh, yeah, uh, that's everything. Laura, will you sing us out, please, <gasps> darling? Until next time, be a stranger.